How are you guys doing? Welcome over uh, to uh, to an episode with myself and Willie. It's, it's sponsored by Mind Bloom. Willie is excited. He's about to be an American citizen in about eighteen months. So it's a pretty exciting day for. <laughs> <laughs> that is a lie. <laughs> He's not even remotely close. We're, we're trying to figure something out. I just don't know what to do with Willie. If there's any single girls or guys out there, he's ready for a guy. I'm not single, but. You know, Charles, for you a green card. Charles, Actually, are you prepped and ready? Can you get his uh, game? Okay. Is gay marriage legal in Texas? I, don't, I really don't know. I've never applied oh, to be Charles. Actually, he doesn't. Charles, know. <laughs> Charles like, I don't know. Charles is like, Charles is all about it. Charles is right there. <laughs> I'm just. Kidding. I don't know. What it's not about. But <laughs> calm yourself. This hey, is, this is news today. Guys. This is this is <laughs> the big stories are on speak the truth. Big stories is the fact that I, I I'm almost 124 percent sure that the counteroffensive have now kicked off. It's not. Yeah. It's not even just me that's saying it. It's it's the U.S. government's actually starting to say. What it. did they actually say? What was that? So you, you ready for this? Yes, Send. they did. Okay, U.S. military. They're saying this is coming direct from the DoD. They officially have stated is that their their satellites have now picked up increased movement from Ukrainian positions. But hold on, I know it sounds really vague. Okay, it's really vague. The DoD actually said that they're, they it has actually started. They're saying that these. These satellites can track artillery and missile launches that have picked up increased movements from Ukrainian positions, which is kind of funny because Ministry of Defense of the, the Russian forces, Russian Ministry of Defense have also stated the same thing. Mm. Now, the Russian Ministry of Defense actually stated that Ukraine has launched a large scale. Are you ready for this? Attack along five separate areas. Mm. How does that make you feel? It's at least three of them. At least three. There's at least three axes that... Three, yeah, that right. I can confirm. You know, I'm thinking about it. Why did they say so, five? I couldn't even find five. So there's the. <laughs> I said that out yeah, loud. I couldn't even find there's five. There's which is to the south of Novopil. There's Novodonetsky, which is to the east of that region. A uh, region, sorry. And this is in the south. And then there is Bakhmut as well. Well, yeah. So Bakhmut, we're going to talk. Well, I got some mapping I'm going to show with you guys. On the southern side of the country. The, the Russians pushed the Ukrainians back in one area and the Ukrainians took back a decent chunk or took a decent chunk. And then in Bakhmut is very, very, it's, um, I don't know. It's vague. I don't know. It's very vague on what actually <laughs> happened. Because it's coming from a guy that's, I don't even know what Prigozhin's end goal is right now inside of Ukraine or just life in well, general. I think, I, I think, I have no I'll idea. Give it, give it 24 months. You hear it here first. <laughs> I think Putin out, Prigozhin in. That's what I honestly think his end goal is. You know what's kind of crazy? That's even more scarier for America. Yeah. Because no Prigozhin is... <laughs> at least Putin At least Putin has a track record of not attacking America or NATO. Prigozhin... Excuse me. Prigozhin Pr- is... Prigozhin, Prigozhin is pretty much keen on attacking just about anybody he possibly can. I think Prigozhin is far more intelligent than people give him credit and for. And I think he also fits and in with the Russian And he's playing mindset. a lot of games. I think he I, does, I think, I think he knows how to, to play on the Russian mindset. And if he hasn't been taken out and he's calling out the most powerful people in Russia and nothing's happening to him, he has a lot of pull. Like if he's right. there, imagine if the chief of the 72nd, 75th Airborne is that 75th Airborne? I don't know, a big American unit. Imagine if he called just... The 82nd? 82nd, that's oh, what okay. like, Hold on. Imagine <laughs> the 82nd just was like, your Minister of Defence is an idiot. He has no idea what he's doing. He's not. He would lose his job in a second. He would lose his job. If it was public, he's just on Twitter, on a, a smartphone, with dead bodies in the background, calling people out. 
And Prigozhin's doing that shit in a country where the repercussions for speaking out against the government is fucking unbelievable. And Prigozhin's just doing it. Either he's the ballsiest motherfucker or he's got top cover galore and knows what he's doing. No, I, I think he's, for one, ballsy, and you're, you're correct. At this point, if he wasn't connected, he would have found his way out of a six-story window in a heartbeat. Well, look at anyone else who tries to oppose them. That's exactly what happens. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Literally, they do... Have you ever seen, like, a Russian swan dive out of a six or seventh or eight-story window? They are phenomenal. I mean, I'm talking... I've seen at least ten this year just take a full bump out of a window. Hmm. Not personally, but I mean... Yeah, we how do many, it, how many at, least, at least we do it more discreetly and Epstein's guards were just all not there <laughs> oh and the, the cameras are off. That's not that that's the not, list is gone. That's not me. Hey, that, don't that's, get that's, me wrong, it it's, uh, it runs deep in all countries. This is just far more obvious. It's just done more publicly. No, well, I mean the Epstein thing's pretty public and pretty obvious. Yeah, but it's got a, an amount of um you get, you disconnection that you can you get, go. I always think it's always funny and people are gonna think I'm so crazy for saying this because I'm either choosing one side or the other. But you're talking about how many friends of the Clintons have randomly committed suicide? Well, who, who was in? <laughs> That's right, the who most was random in, thing. Who ever. was in power? I always think of like I always Which, see the meme is like the people with the most best friends, the Clintons, with fifty-one friends that have randomly committed you know, suicide. Which, like, which Democratic leader was in power during the security guarantees given to Ukraine? Yeah, Clinton. Yeah, who? But did, I don't know if who, that has anything to do with right now. Well, it does when he's publicly saying, "I could see this happening. I could see disarming was a bad." And it's like, you're the ones that push this through. No, I, I'm saying like, like right now, there's nothing they can, they're not doing anything right now with, with Ukraine. I would, oh, I'm, no. no but but I'm, it's just, what I'm, what I'm trying to say is like this, the level of like backroom shit happening happens everywhere. Yeah, it's just more America's, I mean, I love America, but it is what it is. It's America. Like we do some crazy stuff. Oh, yeah. I know we do. I, I just saw, I just read some stuff before we got on here about, I don't, so I see this stuff that pop up about Biden and his son. I don't even, I legitimately refuse to read it at this point. Oh, I yeah. scroll past it. Like literally I hit the boing button, but I saw it said, uh, took a $5 million offer for laptop. I was like, my God, are we still on this thing? I just want to flick past it as fast as I possibly can. It's just wild, man. But have you seen the stuff about the commander from the, what? I'm, maybe this is the one I had in my head, the 72nd Brigade. That's what was in my head. The Wagner group have taken a POW of no, Russia as well. On. Hold on a second. No, no, no. I had this incorrect then. You had it slightly incorrect. I had it incorrect earlier when I was talking about it with you. Yeah, because then I I went on a deep dive and I'm like, this is the most... I've used in my um, telegram of this. You know the Spider-Man meme where they're pointing at each other? Yeah. You and then there's the one of the three. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Is that what's going on? This is currently the Russian forces. So I've sent Charles these videos and I'm sure we'll have these up. So oh, fucking strap in. Yesterday, <laughs> oh, I love it. this is good. Okay, this is this you is know good. how uh, okay. we may not have talked about this, but yesterday day before when they the RDK RVC who are the the Russian legions basically there's two of them, but they crossed into the Belgorod Oblast or the region there. They crossed in and they've got a few um, Russian POWs. So the Russians who are on the side of Ukraine have taken Russian POWs and wanted to swap them back for a meeting with the commander of the forces in that region. That's what we need to know. That's as far as we thought it went. And the commander apparently didn't rock up at the region, therefore they didn't get swapped back. Okay, that's as far as we thought. Last night a video came out, released from Wagner PMC, that 
this guy, this guy from the 72nd Battalion, was drunk and shot at a Wagner um, assault team and disarmed one of their groups. And I'm not watching it as I go, but it's along those lines. So Wagner have taken a prisoner who's the commander of another Russian force. Anyway. We, the on. Legion... No, I'm gonna, no, no, no. I, I want, I want yeah. people to see this video before you go into it. Right. So, okay, Charles, will you please play the video for the for everybody at home real quick? And then the Legion troops, Caesar, who's the leader of the Legion troops, this gentleman here, mm-hmm. he's basically saying that he's a representative of them. And now it knows that fighters of PMC Wagner have captured the commander of the 72nd Brigade, which is this commander here who Wagner had, and that they (laughs) want Prigozhin to give him up, so Wagner to give up the guy they've got to get back Russian soldiers that have taken POW. So they're like, we've got these Russian soldiers, POW, the Foreign Legion of Russia. Oh my God. If you give us this commander, we'll give you them. So it's just an internal swap because they want more high rank. actually does this, oh my Well, God. we're offering them in return as a sign of a good gesture and the continued shilling that we offer you for exchange, um, Colonel uh, Venevitin, for the soldiers and the border guards and their capability. So they exchange Colonel um, Venevitin, who's in Wagner's custody, for the guards they took yesterday. And I'll, I'll have the video somewhere else of these guards. And then Prigozhin, adequately named in my folder as Prigo Daddy, has. <laughs> oh, <sorry>. <laughs> <laughs> I send you a link. Oh, Prigo. Oh, God. I've, I've got them all named like that. I've got like Caddy Daddy for Katarov, oh. Prigozhin. And that he's gone about the exchange that apparently he wasn't taken prisoner, although you can see the guy's been beaten up. <laughs> But he's been detained. But they're not ready to exchange any Russians for Russians. So it's <laughs> it's just fucking wild that like the Russians it's are taking a real their thing. prisoners. Yeah, the ship's going down. This is so it's, real. it's going it's so down. Goofy. But he does say at the end, he bring attention that Ukraine still owes a little something as far as quantity of PWs. So in a lot of the prisoner swaps, and and this can have many reasons that. Uh, quantity, sorry, quality of quantity that you see a lot of the time. It's like 100 Ukrainians swapped for 70 soldiers. And you know, why isn't 100 for 100? Now, rank could have a lot to do with that. Um, what their position is. Like, a fighter pilot would be worth 20 normal just infantry yeah. soldiers. But he sort of, uh, at least the way I'm reading to it, at the end is basically saying, like, hey, well, we want the correct numbers. And I've actually got this meme here of Spider Man. That's yeah, that's it. <laughs> I've got, I've that, got the Spider Man. That, that's, that's a three. That's a yeah. Every, that's it. For a lot of things. That is the the three sets of different Russians here at the moment in fighting. And hey, in fighting or collapse things very very quickly. That is one of. I know you hate it because you think you you say I've, I over make I make it over complicated, but asymmetrical guerrilla warfare. One of the big things you need to do is create disruption on the other side. Already done. That's what I was and about, if, I was about to you, bring this up. If you can make... It yeah. is, this is the whole point of they asymmetric warfare. Russians offense. eating Russians right yes. now. But this is the whole point. The whole thing is you don't need to win. You just not... You don't... You can't lose. So that's the whole point is you can win by not actually winning any battles. But if you can create that much disruption on that side, you can make it so painful for them, both in their own country and back home, you will win. Because eventually they'll lose public interest, lose with, and pull out, and that's how it goes. That's the the 
key topic of asymmetrical warfare is that you can defeat a larger force not by decisively engaging with that force, using a lot of other shit. And that is exactly what they are doing there, the, the Legion guys, because they are feeding into that. They're feeding straight into this is exactly how it's going to go. We're going to create way more in this. Realistically, what probably happened, the Wagner guys probably beat him up, got a video, fuck off back to your unit. But these guys have seen opportunity in this. Hey, we can make this go viral. We can make fucking Willie and Rob speak about this tomorrow. All these other dickheads speaking about it too. Therefore, that goes into their thing. You don't have to succeed to actually succeed. Van Kursk, the boat, the ship, that ship had fucking zero damage to it or very, very little. No one cares. The propaganda won. The, according to 99% of people, the Russian ship was hit, sunk, or destroyed. And it, 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 that's just how it works. You can make things like this without it being 100% legitimate. But uh, I thought that was a very interesting topic of that happening today. Well, if you want to know some other interesting topics that happen today... There's no quick fix for anxiety and or depression. It's not like finding a new therapist or starting a new exercise routine, not more regular meditation or a better diet. Sometimes you guys need to unlock the uh, your, your brain. You guys need to find a new way of thinking about or in order like seeing the world as a whole. Maybe the thing is guided ketamine therapy from Mind Bloom. But there's a new tool to improve your mental health. It's at-home ketamine therapy. Mind Bloom is the leader in at-home ketamine therapy, having safely helped thousands of people overcome their anxiety and depression. Unlike the traditional talk therapy, ketamine works quickly and does not have the unpleasant side effects of traditional antidepressants. I can assure you guys, I took those for like six, seven, eight months. I can tell you, you do not want to take antidepressants. If you're on it right now, try something different. They were they made me feel like a zombie. I came back from Afghanistan. The army's like, you know what? Shove these pills down your throat. They're going to help you out. It was the worst experience of my life. In a study of over 1,200 Mind Bloom clients, 89% reported improvement inside of their anxiety and depression in only two sessions. Right now, Mind Bloom is offering our listeners $100 off your first six sessions. When you guys sign up at mindbloom.com forward slash Rob and use promo code Rob, you guys get $100 off your first six sessions. Check them out. They'll be linked in the very top description. Take a step, your very first step right now, and break free from anxiety and depression with Mind Bloom. Mindbloom.com forward slash Rob and use promo code Rob. So basically, a lot of photos are coming out from drones. And the thing is, I own a drone, and the camera's fucking brilliant, and it's a cheap drone. And a lot of the footage coming out is fucking shit from drones. But at the end of the hey, day, you know military-type drones, anything right military now, will suck. You know what kind of reminds me of? Send it. Do you guys know what Sasquatch is? Sasquatch? Yeah. Yeah. You remember back, like, even yeah, now. Yeah, every like, photo what, of that. It's, it's like, sucks. really blurry, and you're like, oh, my yeah. God, what is going on? This is yeah. 2022. It's like every UFO site. Or UFO, you're like, it's like, why is your photo of your, your camera Have shaking? you heard that guy on Joe Rogan, the F-16 pilot, talk about how they fabricated UFO sightings? It is one of the funniest things fucking ever. So this guy's like an F-16 fighter pilot. Well, I promise we'll get onto these vehicles okay. in a sec. But what he said we used to do, he said through the thermals, we'd be looking through, like, a night vision thermal, and we'd see a campfire in the distance, could see them miles and miles off. He said, would come in, would turn the engine back to idle so you won't hear us coming directly at the campfire. He said, as soon as we're over the top of you, just go fucking full afterburner and just pull up into 10 Gs <laughs> and just take off and you'd just hit you'd be sitting at a campfire in silence. Next thing, like <laughs> 150 decibels, massive ball of flame, just take off vertically. And he said, every time you do it, like... I don't know what how, what figure he says after, but he's like, within the hour, people are calling in UFO sightings. And I'm like, I would fucking love to do that. That's how the Air Force recruit pilots. Because I would enjoy the shit out of that. God, I didn't, I didn't, I didn't know about that. Well, oh, that makes mate, sense. I thought that was so fucking funny. I gotta take you to place here. I should take him over to Possum Kingdom Lake. 
you know, over the Fort Worth and just watch because they fly a lot and they're constantly breaking the barrier and all you hear. That's cool. Just do that. But these vehicles, so they're being reported that there's three separate photos and we can't tell if they're in no man because these can't be geolocated by, it's just in fucking scrub. But we can't tell if they're abandoned. They look abandoned. Um, They're killed or they're just bloody sitting there. But you wouldn't think they'd be sitting out in the open like this. And these got reported as um, Leopard 2 tanks because it does look like when you transport a tank just to make the tank shorter and a barrel support as well you turn the turret rearwards on the tank so it goes from that to like this lots of reasons for that and it does look like that it is a leopard to the turret first but people have pointed at the hatches and said that it does look like an amx 10 which other wheeled not tanks that france gave um to Ukraine now, the hatches do look similar, but I will say, like it, it, it got me when I first saw it. I'm like, that's a leopard for sure. And then looking at the hatches, I'm like, yeah, whatever. But it is incredibly close. But from these photos, at least three of them have been killed, um, and everyone's like, yeah, exactly how a French vehicle would work. But it, <laughs> the French have had no fucking luck with armored vehicles over their time. Uh, no, not really. They do have one good thing, and that's a Caesar. Caesar, but it's uh, well, not an armored like crazy. Yeah, vehicle. it's an SPG. Yeah, it's it's and, it, but it's and, good though. And it's good. There's, people say that Leclerc is very good too. I don't know anything about that. Leclerc's their main battle tank. Oh, who no one's called. But the thing is, no one's been calling out France wanting their main battle tanks. I don't see everyone's that. going. We want Abrams. We want Leopards. Fuck all people are gone. Give us a Leclerc. But <laughs> I didn't even know what a Leclerc a, was. Apparently they're very good. I think they're, oh my God. they're fucking ugly compared to a lot of okay, the other well, like, modern. Yeah, like, no, but, but apparently they're the Caesar's good. good. The Caesar's really good. Caesar's a brilliant system. Yeah, yeah. yeah, the Caesar's really good. I think the Caesar's... I'd like to look into who designed it though because it'd be funny to look up and be like, oh, there's you know German it's, designers. It's, was, That's like, it's like Lamborghini. Lamborghini's work were shit cars. Like they were cool, but they sucked until Audi bought them and German engineers were like, right, this is fucked. Let's fix it. I was going to say it's that's like a lot of those self-propelled guns until or the Belgium Swedish or Austria until the Swedes get their hands on it. It's, it's, like, it's not in the same company. You look at all the, all the guns here in America. Like, yeah, how many of them are not really? Yeah, HK American company. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay, well, right, we're fine. We're funding pretty much everybody else but in the world. On that too, of a lot of destroyed equipment. So where we've seen, and a lot of this has been geolocated, but we've basically seen in the south confirmed offensives and a lot of ground taken in uh, Novodonetsky is probably the most obvious of where ground has been taken because the maps got updated at uh, 2 p.m., so 1,400, and then 1,800 and show a significant gain. And they actually got the Ukrainians, took over the whole of um, Novodonetsky. And they're saying that there were multiple weapons there, but that's from Russian sources as well. But over the past couple of weeks, there's been more sources coming out from Russian tankies being like, hey, we saw a leopard, blah, 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 which I wouldn't be that surprised. Like, realistically, you're looking on, you're looking through optics that were kilometres out. You know, I wouldn't be surprised if they'd seen them out there. And you're talking about in the, when we just so everybody knows, because they're not seeing a map right now. When you say Novodadetsky, we're talking about the southern portion of the country. Southern portion of the country. Zaporizhia, north of yeah. Mariupol, just no. so everybody knows. Yeah. So that region... Enough, this is one of the areas I actually know the name of. But so in that, there was me. a lot of video come out too of um, from a Russian drone of multiple, at least one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe six or seven um, MRAPs who were given to Ukraine from America uh, getting targeted by uh, drones and artillery and basically all of them getting taken out in that spot. There's 
hectic footage of them all getting taken out. And then there's this footage too. Of, I think I've actually seen of that. Of the MRAP as well, from a Russian position here, yeah, of multiple MRAPs sitting out in the yeah. fields. Um, so MRAPs. Abandoned I, or killed I, from I've that. actually used MRAPs yeah, quite a bit. I mean, I mean mm. I'm, I'm actually kind of glad this is going to sound terrible. I'm actually kind of glad America gave Ukraine so many MRAPs because they're terrible vehicles. Mm. I'm, I'm not going to lie. They really are. So it's, it's kind of like one of those things, where we, it's kind of a loss. We're kind of like, ah, eh, cool, we got to move on. You know, have you ever seen one in person? How oh, yeah, we, we worked with MRAPs a lot. Okay. Because also, also um, protected mobility vehicles. They're commander. trash. So the we MRAPs worked with trash. the Bushmasters, and they had, well, they want, before the MRAP, the Americans wanted to buy Australian Bushmasters, but we couldn't keep up with your supply because we make a few hundred a year, or maybe not even that. And sure America, I believe, thousands. ordered 50,000 yeah, in 12 months. And we're like, we can't give you that. So they built the MRAP, the MRAP which is so a shit version. The, the, the MRAP is, just so everybody's aware, the MRAP is built really well. As in, like, it could sustain an IED or a blast from below really, really well. Like, I've yeah. seen some, like... But that's what they're built for. They're, they're built, built for that. For that so. They're built for that. Now, when it comes to, like, going across, like, open terrain or something, or they're just super tall and a mega target. When I mean, yeah. like, a mega target, they're huge. They're, they're really big. No, they're, I mean, shit for, they're shit in Kabul, too. They're, they're can't get around to anything. Kabul? Yeah, you can't oh, get well, I never, anything. I never, so. I never use them in a city. I yeah. use them in, like, open areas. We got blown up in one... And it did like literally they got a V-shaped hole. So when like the blast comes out from underneath the, the blast is expended out to the sides. It just blows the door open because you're supposed to lock the doors on the inside. No one ever locks the doors. The doors get blown open. The guys get blown out, but they do really, they work really well. Mm. They work really well. In this kind of situation. Yeah, but the thing is, I don't know what classification you would put them in, but our classification, we call them a protected mobility vehicle. But that's exactly what it is. It's a mobility vehicle. It's basically a frontline taxi. It's to take you to a location and then you get out and then you patrol out from there. It's not to fight through. So the classification of you've got armoured personnel carriers, infantry fighting vehicles, and so you've just sort of got your protected mobility vehicles as the least, basically a fucking taxi to get you to close to the well, front line, but not on the well, front nowadays line. Our, and our then you've got... has like completely... We have like our Humvee is now center driving and completely different. Right. But then you'll have armoured personnel carriers, which can take you into the fight and then dismount. And then you've got infantry fighting vehicles, which is made for infantry basically to fight from the vehicle. And then you've got from there. So they're not used in that. The Bradley, by the way, I just want to throw it out there, is an old vehicle, Mm. which is an infantry fighting vehicle. Yeah. It's a fucking hoss. Mm. I don't care what anybody says about that son of a bitch. It is... The reactive armour is amazing. I don't think the... I don't know if the Ukrainians actually have it. I'm sure they will. I don't, I don't know if they have the reactive armor, but that son of a bitch is actually pretty badass. Yeah, well, there's more and more photos coming out of Bradley's, you know, actually being, like, seen cammed up and whatever. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it'll only be a matter of time until we see them in combat. Now, people are saying we did see one in combat from a drone, and from my eye and some other people I'm trusting on this, they actually reckon it's just a Danish M113 with the larger cannon on top um, because it's very difficult to see from the fucking potato drone. But so when you're saying the M113, we're talking about... As a hole in the top, basically to shoot an artillery out of? No, 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 sorry. No, no, it has a larger cannon on top. Okay. So the Danes, I believe the Danish one, has a larger cannon than the traditional so mounted 50 cal. So people were saying from that top down yeah. that it was a Bradley, but a lot of people are saying, well, I don't think it is. So we're still 50-50 and we've actually seen a Bradley engaged is, is, yet in It's combat. not the same size as a Bradley, though. No, but from top down, like drone footage, it was bloody difficult to see. Well, I mean, an M113 doesn't have an actual physical turret like a Bradley. Some of them do. Ours do. No, ours, ours for sure doesn't. Our M13 is no, not. No, but, but no, there's multiple 
Um, what I'm trying to say is like heaps of countries have deployed M113s of multiple variants to Ukraine. Everything from ambulance yeah, unarmed variants ambulance. through to the Dane variants, which have like a legitimate um, it, I don't know variants. I don't know anything so, about yeah, So yeah, so what I'm saying is so. we're still 50-50 of whether we've actually seen a Bradley engage in decisive combat or not yet. But we will Did it have some toes point. on the side of it? That's the question. That if it didn't have toes, it wasn't good enough. If it's not, oh, really? Okay, so if it didn't yeah. have toes, it's not a Bradley. Yeah. Well, that, we just couldn't decide. But so people are going, well, there's one of them, or a few, probably leaning in the M113 path. But either way, we're going to see them probably in the next couple of days. But one of the big ones that has come out is there is thermal footage as well here from a Russian attack helicopter also engaging um, MRAP vehicles as well. I've actually not seen this. So these choppers are then engaging one, two, three, four... I believe five, six vehicles engaging from there with um, targeting, uh, sorry, with tracked missiles as well. So where I'm going with this too is the air defence is going to be a fucking big problem for Ukraine. And this is going to have to be a decision have to be made. And there's been many sources actually talk about this previously as well, that currently from the uh, British MOD that... Um, Ukraine has neutralised at least 90% of incoming drones, and they're talking about in Kyiv. Now, I'm talking that they are used as well from electronic warfare, patriots, and uh, other older variants, other variants, not only older, but other variants too of air defence. But where people are pointing at is that the, the modern air defence is currently in Kyiv, protecting the civilian structures, the civilian networks, whatever there. That air defence, because there's not that many Patriot systems, may have to be shifted out of there onto somewhere at the front line. Now, we have seen over the past 23 days, I believe, Russia has attacked Ukraine every single night with either cheap drones or older-style KH-22 missiles. They've attacked every single night with some degree of that. And literally half an hour before we started making this video, there was reports of Tu-95 aircraft taking off, which are bears, which carry these. The reason they're saying they're doing that is Russia need to keep that air defence in Kyiv because if Russia just keeps sending these cheap drones, they get taken. They don't care as long as that air defence stay there because they don't want then their air defence to go down near the front line because then Russia will lose that degree of air, not dominance, I'm sorry, not superiority, but they do have an air dominance in the region. So... They're saying the reason that they're doing it, and this is actually from, as well, the Kiev Post, is despite very little damage being done or a huge financial cost to Moscow, some analysts believe the Kremlin's tactic is to force Ukraine to choose to, between defending its cities or defending its troop troops when they launch the counteroffensive. So if you've only got a couple of these systems, what do you do? Do you protect the city or do you have to protect the offensive? Now, I would say the best of the best... Um, way for offensive is to get the war completed and do it. So you're going to move it down. But then we will see that 90% um, interception rate drop significantly if those systems have to then go to the front line. And the reason they're saying Russia is continually firing these in isn't to take out targets. It's just to keep the air defence busy in that region. So it's two-pronged. It's wearing down very extremely expensive equipment. What has more effect than people believe uh, and as well as keeps it in that location. More importantly, keeps the Patriot busy there, not moving out. So that's a good term. Well, the thing with the money is people go, oh, you know, whatever. It, the thing is, what it does is it wears down from your next um, 
influx of money. So say each Patriot missile is, I believe, about $4 million for a pack three. I'm not sure what the pack twos are. Let's float between that number somewhere. Mm. Is There's plenty of money. People go, that's fuck all when we're talking about billions. That's true, but in the next in um, the next a, the next money coming in. So that's, every day, that's a lot of money. Oh, every day. But let's let's say Russia, uh, let's say Ukraine had to fire ten today. Let's just say that. Mm. Now, that's probably a lot, but let's just say it's ten. So that's forty million dollars. And if in two weeks' time, America releases, hey, we're giving another uh, amount of money to Ukraine. We're giving another two hundred million dollars. Instead of that two hundred million being made up of four F-16s or whatever, forty million of it has to go to just. Filling up, filling up the air defence. An air defence is not an offensive weapon. It can be used in offence as far as taking out vehicles. Whatever. But at the end of the day, S-300s we've seen used in offensive capability, but not very well. Its range is not like some of these, uh, some of your crew missiles. But as a defensive weapon, protecting that is wearing down a lot of money and coming off the front line. And that's the reason people are saying Russia's keeping it busy. And that is, yeah, that is what I think they're doing. That's actually really smart. I never actually thought about. You got to keep it busy. God bless. That is if really you can smart. keep the Patriot busy in Kiev with twenty thousand dollars drones, you keep it away. And like we saw in that video, no, choppers sure. engaging it. things, MiG, um, Sukhoi SUs engaging things. You keep it away, and that's what Russia need to do. Russia, Russia, no, no fighter jets are going to really decisively take them in the air. Ukraine's fighter jets are not going to go into battle with the Russian Air Force. So what they have to do is target them with um, ground-based air defence systems, uh, man pads and like truck-based ones as well. And that is a real danger. But on the defensive side, if you can stop these getting there, that's a big deal. And that's a, that, no, that, I never actually thought about this Yeah, till right now. And I, I can assure you, America's a little bit on the soft side when it comes to losing equipment. I'm mm. going to assume they're going to have... Some sort of thing with Ukraine that they have to keep those up inside of civilian held areas to hold and like like I, I'm going to make that assumption why they haven't shifted them down south. Well, it, it's probably a a, a I, idea too of like they can't. What if them. they just start bombing the shit out of it again? What if Russia start flying planes from Belarus again into Kiev? What if what if they start to like the two systems, the two Patriots? I think it may be four to the max. It might be hmm. two. Um, of everything, but they like, uh, but so yeah, it's very difficult. Like but you've got Kiev, Dnipro, Lviv, Kharkiv. You've got to protect the civilians in these regions. But then it means they're taken off. So if Russia can engage these, and this is what people are saying, they're saying, you know, I, I believe it. They're saying we're finding Russian missiles with no warhead on them. Why would you? If your goal is to keep that busy, make the cheapest fucking missile you can. Don't fly a Kinzhal in there that costs you millions of dollars. Make some bullshit glide cruise bomb with nothing on it, gliding in. And at the end of the day, from what I've heard, I've never used air defense, but from what I've heard of air defense, is it's very difficult to pick up exactly what you're hitting. It works off speed, uh, where it's coming from, and the trajectory of how it is. Now, these systems are very advanced, but it is still difficult to say exactly what you're hitting. So if you can have a KH 22 missile, I don't know the actual expense of the warhead on it, but if you can take away and they put a very cheap guidance system on it, very cheap booster, no warhead, and you can reduce the price by a quarter, four more of them, but keep the air defense busy, brilliant. That's And that's what people are saying they're doing because they're finding that these drones are going away as well from, we have GPS, um, but move they go, Russia have their own, it's called GLONASS, I believe. And they're going away from that to a way more shit guidance system. Hence why they're just landing in the middle of a field. 
But they But what if that's what it's there for? That it's to free up this shit. I, I got. I got something for you. Send it. This is actually kind of crazy. What if Russia? Because how many? How many? How many? How many shots? I mean, how many rounds or shots does a Patriot have before it needs to be? Well, there's reloaded. four per system, I believe. Okay. Um, and each battery, I believe, has thirty-two or thirty-six. Okay, so I'm asking for a reason. Yeah. What if they max load? What if they randomly just sent a wave of dummy drones, as you mm. were just talking about, and then afterwards, after they shot the fifty or so, mm. they sent in the real ones? Well, I don't know why they don't do that. Why now, haven't they done now, that? but the, well, the big thing is too. Not everything over Kiev at all is being engaged by Patriot. Majority of it is being engaged by electronic warfare, but a lot of the cheaper the drone, the harder it is to have have EW against it. Like, if you just have a drone and just fucking aim it that way and just send it off with a really basic um, geometrical thing on it, then you can't engage it with that. And then the the first layer will be to try and engage it with the German Gepard, which is an anti-aircraft gun, so, oh, S300. But I have thought about this of what will people have seen? Could you overwhelm the system? Now, in some of the videos from, let's say, a month ago, people were saying when the, because there was a, it was confirmed that a Patriot was damaged. The extent, yeah, the we damage. don't know. Okay. But we know it was damaged. And people are saying they overwhelmed the system. That people say, oh, an S400 or a Patriot can track 400 targets. They can. Like an F35 can track like a 1,000 targets. But it's only got, X amount of missiles, only has 10. So it can only shoot down 10. So they can track them. And of course, then you're going through your triage of what you hit. But, you know, the Gepard is far, well, it's not. The Gepard, the gun, there's a problem of ammunition of that because the fucking ammunition, a lot of it, well, where a lot of it is made and needs to come from, is Switzerland. Switzerland, I believe, yesterday or the day before, just turned back that they won't supply. So yeah, people, what that. they wanted to yeah. sell through an intermediary. So um, I'm pretty sure Slovakia did this as well, with Slovakian MiGs, was they sold to Poland and then Poland gave to Ukraine. So you go through an intermediary, so you're not directly giving it. That's what people wanted Switzerland to do with Gepard ammo. And they've said, no, we're not fucking doing that. We're maintaining our neutrality status because we have too much Nazi gold and too much oligarch money in the banks probably. And once you've lost your neutrality status, it's gone. Like, people, you know, really have a go at Switzerland over this. The thing is, once your neutrality is gone, and Swiss, Switzerland's neutrality has been around for a long time, once it's gone, it's gone. It's never coming back. Now, does that really matter? Maybe not. Does it matter to people in charge? Maybe so. No one wants to be the guy that gave up your neutrality. So that's an issue. But overwhelming air defence is absolutely something that can be done. Um does Russia have the absolute equipment to do it? Maybe not. It would be a lot. And those Patriots are probably mainly only engaging Kinzales at the moment, which to send in, let's say they've got two systems, you're going to need like 70, and that's just not of it. But at the end of the day, it does the same job if they keep them busy. Because in Kiev, if you've got weapons in Kiev, that's doing nothing to help the offensive. No, you no. <laughs> this, is, this is actually something I've never really thought too much into. Until right now, live, mm. I've literally like this is my mind's actually like blown. I never even yeah. thought about this. Well, it's but it's the Why same idea. Nobody... It's the same idea of keeping the troops busy in Belgrade. Keep yeah. the Russian, it's keep the, the Russian idea. soldiers, yeah, right. but it's just on a larger scale. Mm-hmm. And you know, at the end of the day, there's a lot of history that show Russia fuck up in wars for the first year and then start learning. Now, the bloody learning curve cost a couple hundred thousand people their lives, yeah, a lot of lives yeah. and and the, that and that is both. Um, Ukrainian, Russian, civilian lives. It's horrific. Um, but at the end of the day, people have to adapt. 
and we we have seen things like this before. So it's the same as to the, these the, the the game being being played across the border is you know Kadyrov is saying I'll send seventy thousand soldiers, his three armies of Chechens, and the whole game is fifty people, hundred people in the Russian Legion have crossed into uh, the region up there, um, Shibikino. Next thing, you've, you've tied up 70,000 Chechen troops who could be used for the defensive against the offensive. So there's a lot of this. But we're going to see it both ways. I think we'll see a lot. I think if the offensive starts coming too well for the Russian, uh, for the Ukrainians from the Russian perspective, that if it goes really well and the Russians are holy fuck, what they'll do is open a front line somewhere else. They're going to have to, 100%. They will, right, so, we're going to bomb the border yeah, here. I'm actually, well, not here in America, but you, here in Ukraine. I'm going to tell you guys right now, I'm going to shift over to an area inside of Ukraine on a map. So I'm actually looking at the southern portion of Ukraine. This is one of the areas we spoke about earlier where the tanks were possibly taken out. The, the Ukrainians have actually pushed through and taken a, a decent chunk. I'm going to call it a decent chunk. This is an, an area that's been really heavily contested, as you guys can see. Which I'm going to go ahead and erase this little circle here for you guys. Every one of these right here, you guys see all these little areas? These are ones that has either been taken by the Russians, or excuse me, taken by the Ukrainians, given back, going back and forth, back and forth, vice versa, like for God knows how long. Like this, these, these, these areas are here for a reason, or the, the, on the map for a reason. I'm going to tell you right now, there is one area that the Ukrainians have actually been pushed back is just north of Novodonetsk. Did I say that correct? Yeah, Novodonetsk. Yeah, it's kind of close. Now, it's right here. The Ukrainians have actually been pushed back. They tried to push four, or uh, excuse me, south out of this area. It did not pan out too well. They got actually shoved back north towards that main route. I, I think this is a pretty good area. And I think they're doing this for a reason, which we talked about before the, the podcast, is they really want to get down towards the southern portion of the country. They really want to they, they create that big gap. Mariupol is just south of here. Now, if they're somehow able to get even relatively close to Mariupol, I think they're going to... But they really want to be big on mainstream media once again. Getting close to Mariupol, is there a chance the Ukrainians could take it? Is there this and that? I think that could be a thing. They're, they are quite far from it. I'm just going to throw that out there. But this is an area where I know is open, vast. It's it's not infantry versus infantry. It's more tank, artillery. That's pretty much what you have going on here. Of course, the infantry is always involved, but not as much as you would say inside of Bakhmut, which right now I'm going to shift over to Bakhmut, which is right here. Now, Bakhmut itself, this is where it gets a little bit iffy, okay? It's very iffy. We know, well, I, I, I say we know. I kind of know. I, I don't even <laughs> I don't know how to put it right now. Uh, uh, Berkivka? Berkivka, yeah. Berkivka, whatever. It doesn't really matter. I'm going to jack the names up. You guys know you've been on here for a couple years. This area has for sure has had Ukrainians inside of it. Or advanced at least near it. Okay, so advanced. Okay, you... Near it. I'm seeing a, a guy that I'm going to, I want to say he's kind of gets overly excited and, and kind of anxious on Ukrainians' advancements. He's saying they're over here in Krasnohora. I'm going to go ahead and do that. All the way over there. I'm going to go ahead and show you that little nipple I just. Yeah, that's a long yeah, way. That's a long way, okay? Just so you guys have an understanding, that means they were almost cutting off. You guys see what they're cutting off here? The northern side of Bakma, which means they control the routes leading in and out. That seems... It's optimistic. I, I haven't seen anything I was going to say far-fetched because there's also a mega trench line, which I don't know if you remember, just north of Krasnohora. This area right here. 
I'm talking like mega trenches, like mega, mega trenches. I don't know if you guys remember the video footage. I don't know if we, I don't know if Charles, we shared that from back in the day, but these are some mega trenches just north of here. And that was some brutal, brutal warfare, which I know the guy that was, he was just south of there. And the guy that lost his eye that was sitting here. This is one of the areas he was at. Um, did you ever see that video of him? Oh, I haven't actually watched it yet. Oh, you haven't watched it? I should. Oh, man, that's kind of disappointing. I do the show. <laughs> Dang, he was like, he was a really good guy. But anyway. Well, Prigozhin's statement about that in Bakhmut says, when the NGSH and Shogu regrouped and stood along the Berkivsky, uh, Berkivsky, oh my God, Berkovsky <laughs> Reservoir, which is the reservoir we see yeah. in there. They said it was in order to protect Berkivka settlement because they have been very advantageous positions. A shame. Shogu Karisimov, I urge you to come to the front, raise an arm with pistols so that they go forward. Come on, you can, and if you can't, at least die a hero. So saying that there have been at least a push into the Berkivka Reservoir near that um, settlement as well. So we don't exactly know where it's going, but there's huge defensive positions there. And... If you look on a map of the defensive positions, where we saw those advancements in the south is one of the least defended areas by the satellite um, oh, God. depictions the, of those there's like, there's like no. If you look at it from the Ukrainian side and the Russian side, there's not a a mass of forces along this line, and it's really big. I don't know how big it is. It's It's got to be hundreds of miles long. I don't know whether it's in kilometers, yeah. but I'm talking like from east to west, it's very, very long, mm-hmm. very flat, very open. Yeah, but open terrain too gives... A lot of advantage to armor and That's what air I was talking about earlier. and artillery. It's not infantry. It's not. It's, it's not, not infantry related. It's not but, infantry. But where they so we can see that. But they, they people are calling it the fight to the sea because if they can push south down through there, they cut off the western side of occupied territory, being where people will know as the Melitopol, um, Herson, rare regions like that. Cut that off. If then they they can hit the bridge, um, that crosses into Crimea. Then they can basically starve out those troops. Goes back to the smaller force. Doesn't have to win. They just have to not lose. And if they can starve out the forces there. This, the, the God, do you think they, you think they actually difficult. hit the bridge? I don't see how they can any other way. They can't do any naval operation because Ukraine's navy is like a few small attack ships I think my, that go my, in the Nipro. My boat in my garage is probably better than the Ukrainian navy. They can't do airborne because airborne doesn't work anymore. And there's two entries from the south. I, don't, I think the only way of actually taking Crimea is by forcing the forces to leave rather than taking it by force. How that's going to work, I don't know. But that bridge, it's, I think that bridge is going to have to come down. You have to cut off the Russian supply. Now, we know Ukraine can hit Sevastopol port. We know they can do that with drones. We've seen that. Mm. We know there's a lot of partisans working there too. But then it's going to have a, Ukraine's going to have a fucking big problem going into Crimea armed too because the, um, now, can the, hot the Crimean... Much, they can almost reach it though. Atacams will, yes. If but they have Well, we don't have Atacams. But the um what's, but the, the, what's the really shit named thing the UK Storm Shadow can go there? Well the High Mars is very close to being able to reach it right now. Very close. Yeah. Like it, I mean like I've done I've done like the stupid circles and how many miles they're out. Yeah. They're very close. It depends very close. how close the high Mars is to the front. And I also line, don't so. I also personally they're not taking it. them anywhere they can get hit. Well I was gonna say I don't even know what with ammunition the high Mars. We don't like no one really knows entirely which ones they have. No. But we do know that they can't be fired without like a lot of like permissions. Yes. We do know everything's controlled, um, and, that, and we that, also know that there was the Patriots. The, that's, that's what I'm saying about the, the Patriots. If the yeah. High Mars are that controlled right now, the High Mars, yeah. the Patriot system, one million percent yeah. is just as controlled. Yes, 
as a high Mars. That's what I'm oh, saying. I don't, be more. I, I don't like, even more. I, that's what I'm saying. I don't think they're going to leave the civilian herald area yeah. of Kiev. They're not going to. No. And same with the high Mars. They're not going to roll the high That's not why aren't the high Mars in Bakhmut. It's because they're not going close enough. They don't want them to. Now, can they can hit from there, but are they going to hit behind the line? But with Crimea, the, the one thing Russia has done over the past eight years is the Crimean Tatars, who are the like um, indigenous Crimeans, I'll say. It might be the wrong word. But they are, they've been forced to be the minority there. Russia has moved in a lot of very like pro-Russian people there too. So that forces a few problems. That if you then have some level of ceasefire and do, okay, we're going to now run a democratic election of where does this go? Well, Russia has made it. They're now that they will hold the majority of voters. That's a, one thing. The other thing to look at is if Ukraine rolling their heavy, you're going to have a lot of pro-Russian um, partisans working too, flat out against you. That's been held territory for a long time. A lot of people have moved in there. A lot of all the we haven't seen Ukraine clear any territory that's been um, held since fourteen yet. We've seen not a, not a meter, so we haven't seen what that actually looks like. How does it look with the civilian population? How does it work with the partisans that were raised there, the LPR, DPR, and then Crimean soldiers? How, how does that actually look? So we don't know that. And like I said before, of basically starving them out. How does that look when we look at the UN? How does that look when we speak about United Nations issues? We saw, and I'll get off, I will stuff up the dates here, but post-14, when Russia annexed Crimea, we did see Russia go to um, basically United Nations courts because um, there was a dam, like, stream closed off, so no water ran through to Crimea. And people go, well, that's, you know, whatever, that's territory you've illegal, uh, illegally occupied. But it's also water that, that was to civilians there. Now, the first dam, this is actually pretty cool, was just made by, like, angry Ukrainians. They're like, fuck, fuck the Russians down there. And then it's got, like, sandbags and whatever, it just dammed it. And now there's a proper dam. That dam was one of the first things that got blown up and targeted in the beginning of the war. So water would freely flow back down to Crimea. Crimea is very arid territory, although it's... South doesn't rain much, it's very arid. It can't actually support itself of water. So they need to do that rather than ship it in. Shipping water in is very difficult. So there's that. They couldn't grow enough food, drinking water, whatever. This is the argument for it too, is if your idea is to starve at these people, every human still has human rights. If it is we're closing off this, well, yeah, there's yeah. going to create a United Nations issue too. You don't so, want them involved. Now, now, and the yeah. thing is too, Russia is still a permanent sitting member of the yeah. five permanent countries on the UN. <laughs> and they so were funny. not last yeah. month, I believe the month before, maybe I was right in last month, um, they were the head of the Security Council of the UN because it goes in a rotation through the countries. But that was funny. But it is just interesting to see where we're going to see from here. But it will know over the next coming months. We'll know, we I'm have actually, to know. I'm very, because me and you and pretty much everyone in the world has been waiting for this moment. This moment right here, we're actually able to say yes. My the, the counteroffensive has finally started. Now I hope I don't know if it's going to be like it was. Do you remember? What was it what, like five months ago when they were just taking ground tremendously in the north mm. over Kharkiv and all? Did that remember was that? Like significantly just, different. Just to just, now. just super fast. I don't think yeah. that's going to be the case right oh, now not, because not the Russians have had significant amount of time to build up. Not just we're talking about. The first line, we're talking about the it's second six line. Six lines, six lines. There's just as far as I'm saying. Just so everybody at home is is as an understanding, the amount of defensive lines the Russians have been able to build up over 
how much like five months or so? Oh, probably longer in some yeah. of those areas. I mean, well, just, some of the some of the areas it's been since twenty fourteen. It's it been just, nine years. Yeah, does, it does, well, you guys know what I mean. Like it's been a very long time. So I don't. I think the counteroffensive is one million percent started. I don't think it's going to go as fast as some would hope. Because I know a lot of people here now have like the goldfish mindset where it's got to be happening the next day. It's got to happen. I think it could happen over weeks to months to even close to I don't know, six, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. I don't even know. You got to remember, by the end of the year, they're going to have the Jets. That's also in the plan of this whole counteroffensive. And, you know, the winter time's coming with, I think by the time winter comes, full winter comes, they'll have the Jets they need. Because I know the fighter pilots are being trained. They said six months max. Today, they started being trained, yeah, I believe. Yes. Sunak released. So. Uh, that's, and they're being trained that, in Europe, by the way. Just but the thing that. is, too, Russia does hold an advantage in the winter. So it's it's a problem. <laughs> Time in the winter? Yeah. Well, the Russians, this last winter, well, I guess Bakhmut's a good good case. Of, but over the winter, they may not have gained much, but they didn't lose anything. Either. They didn't lose anything. Yeah. They did, they did not lose. That's also, I think, it comes to manpower not giving two fucks about who they kill. They don't care. If it's their own men, or they're, they're, as long as they take ground. But, that, but that's been the that, Soviet that, mindset that, forever. Uh, forever. But, but, but there's been units like that in Ukraine work as well. Yeah. Look at Bakhmut. People going, they're just feeding people into this. The Soviet tactics, and this is what, what the big thing going to set Ukraine apart, is they're rolling in with trained soldiers from the West. And that'll change. But Soviet tactics have always been feed men into it. Makes you guys feel any better. I'm excited for the daily videos again. So we'll be back in tomorrow with another one. I do love you guys. Thank you so much. I will see you guys tomorrow.